Hello, this is the David Eagle Podcast. My name is David Eagle, folk singer and musician, comedian, DJ, lover, and all-round good egg. <laughs> Sorry, I think if I'd have stumbled across this podcast, I might have switched off by now after that rather cringeworthy start. But I think it would be disingenuous of me to be too good from the outset. It would set expectations at too high a level. Don't peak too soon. Sorry, I can't help myself. Being a lover, sometimes I will just impart sexual advice. The reason I don't want to be too good at the start is because I'm recording this in 2022, but this series of podcasts is looking back at 2016, when I embarked on a project called David's Daily Digital Dollop, in which I released a podcast every single day of 2016. And the first few episodes, maybe even the first hundred episodes, I would write a blog post, which I'd release on my website, then I'd read it for the podcast version. Later on, I would start to just do audio-only I'd go for a walk and do verbal meanders. When I'm reading these dollops from 2016, you might hear a frequent scratching sound. I just wanted to mention that because it's not because of some hygiene or sexual health problem. You know, I know you might think that. I said I was a lover. You hear some scratching. You've gone, you've done too much loving, David, and it's backfired. I'm not going to tell you whether I've backfired or not. That's uh, <laughs> that's only your business. If you do hear the scratching sound, it's because I'm reading Braille. And talking of reading, because we're covering a number of dollops in one episode, I thought we needed some sort of sound to denote when we've moved from one dollop to another. Like they do with children's audiobooks. You know, when they're instructing the children to turn the page, they'll play a little sound. So I've gone for the chimes. So when you hear this, it means we're moving on. That is a sound that you'll be praying for before too long. Oh, come on, David, please move on. You've milked this joke and this subject matter beyond any reasonable level. Come on. Play the sound. Oh, thank God. There it is. In a bid to streamline the podcast so there's not 366 in 2016 alone, I've packaged these David's Daily Digital Dollops into weekly episodes, and this first episode covers the first seven dollops. Week one. You join me at the start of 2016. I hadn't yet started doing stand-up comedy. That wouldn't be until 2018. I was a professional folk musician. I've been professional since 2013. It was going to be a very busy year for us. We went to Australia, Canada, did a couple of UK tours, and the dollops will cover all of that. But January was a very quiet month. Probably why I thought it was a good idea to do this project, because I wasn't doing anything in the month of January, and then things started getting really busy, and I realised maybe it wasn't such a good idea after all. But by that point, I was in too deep. And a very quick warning, while there isn't a lot of swearing in the dollops, we do get off to quite a sweary start. So, if that's a problem, sorry I've lured you in. Oh, God, I want the sex tips, David, but I don't want the swearing. What am I going to do? But let's begin as we head to January 2016 for week one, the first seven dollops of David's Daily Digital Dollop. Good luck. Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to David's Daily Digital Dollop. Who knows what subjects will be breached, what exciting avenues will be entered, or how many blind alleys we'll venture down together. I've installed a stats facility on my website, so I'll be able to know how many people are accessing what I'm writing and recording, but I know that I am quite stubborn when it comes to things like this, and so even if I soon realise that there is literally no one accessing these blogs and podcasts, I will still keep churning them out day after day after day with a bewildering, depressing intransigence. Or perhaps in 365 days' time I'll be signing a lucrative deal with the BBC for the rights for them to create a TV serialisation of this blog. But one day at a time, my friends. After our Christmas gig in Otley, I went to the pub with a few friends, including the organiser of the gig and the other two young'uns. There was a bit of an incident the last time we went to the pub with this particular person, who, from now on, shall be referred to as Rob, for brevity's sake, and also because that happens to be Rob's name. Last time we went to the pub with Rob was in April earlier this year, just after our first gig on the spring tour. Rob enthusiastically declared that this particular pub was really good, and that the landlord was a bit of a character. As soon as we crossed the threshold, 
threshold, we were effusively greeted by said character, a big, burly, brash bloke with a bellowing, broad, Scottish voice. Rob! He roared, leaping to his feet as quickly as a heavily inebriated, heavily built landlord could ever be expected to leap. The landlord grabbed Rob, enveloping him in his considerable mass. How are you, me old fucker, he shouted. Perhaps this was his little play on words, a slight Scottish modification of the more well-known me old mucker, unless the landlord had just let slip some personal information about his and Rob's relationship. But it seemed too much of an obtrusive question to pose at this moment, given that Rob had enough to deal with right now. As the landlord was thumping him hard on the back, Rob maintains that this is just his way of showing affection. Where have you been the last few months, you little cunt? Anyway, you're very welcome. You're all very welcome. I was a little concerned that if we were all very welcome, then we too might soon fall victim to his affections. I decided that now might be a good time to escape to the toilet, so I left the others to the mercy of our intriguing host. But no sooner had I turned to walk off, I was accosted by a lady who enthusiastically intoned how much she'd enjoyed the gig and congratulated me on the recent Folk Award win. How easily distracted. I'd completely forgotten about my intention to escape from the potentially dangerous landlord. My instinctive urge to flee the possible danger had instantly been replaced by my instinctive response towards a bit of flat from a female. Damn, she was probably working for him. She'd spotted my attempts to make a break and had sought to thwart my efforts, and she had succeeded. When you're on the run from a potentially psychopathic landlord, you can't afford to be negligent. If you take one bit of advice away from this blog, that should be it, my friends. When you're on the run from a potentially psychopathic landlord, you can't afford to be negligent. Maybe I'll get some t-shirts printed with that on. It was too late to correct my course, for the landlord had heard the girl's comments and promptly turned to address me. You've won a fork award, he bellowed. And in his voice, it sounded more like a threat, as if he thought having the winner of some poncy award in his pub was highly egregious to him. He drew his mass towards me, and I couldn't do anything to stop him. He was upon me. Fuck me, you fucking clever cunt, he boomed and pulled me into a bear hug. Then the thumping began. Of course, I'm just letting this happen, even though he's thumping me hard and it is hurting a bit. For some reason, I hold the perplexing notion that it would be impolite to say anything. A man is repeatedly hitting me, yet it is me who feels as if I would be crossing some kind of line if I objected to this. So I just stood there and let the man thump me and call me a clever cunt, while all the evidence to support that statement was being utterly refuted, given I was seemingly willingly being assaulted. Fuck me, he shouted, and to be honest, I am so terribly British and polite that, if that's what he really wanted, I'd probably oblige. Just out of politeness, you understand. I may find it embarrassingly difficult to procure the requisite erection for the task, but at least my upper lip would be stiff. How very quintessentially British, having sexual intercourse with a man, just out of mere politeness. Then I had a master plan. I explained to the landlord that I was only one of the members of the group that had won the Folk Award. The other Folk Award winners were standing right by him. I'd thrown the affectionate dog a bone, and he immediately went for it. I was unhanded, and I slumped away to the toilet, and I heard him grab one of the other two, and then the thumping and the swearing routine was re-established. Here we go. Sometimes I am busy... And other times I am not But the challenge will be To see If I can make something out of Everyday events uh. <laughs> <laughs> I tricked you with the events Oh, will be one for the bloopers Do the exact same. 
Right, we need to centre ourselves. We need to get in the zone. <clears throat> Ready? Are you in the zone, Lucy? Are you in the I'm zone? In the zone. I'm thinking of things to say. I think you're just outside the zone. Okay, I'm in, inside the zone. You're in the zone. No, you're, 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 close the door behind you. <laughs> I didn't mean the real door, I meant the door of the zone. Oh, right. But fair enough. <laughs> okay, here we go. Lots of people put things on Facebook. They tell you what they've had to eat. They tell you about all sorts of things. Maybe they've got a Veruca on their feet. Well, this is not going to be a boring thing. So let's see how it goes. I'm not going to talk about my feet. I'm going to talk about my nose. Oh, are you saying that it's very bad? To talk about yourself all the time? It drives yourself and other people mad. Well, this will be a daily vlog with David Eagle and lots of his friends. Very good. I like that bit. I think we've got the jingle. Thank you, Lucy. Bye. Oh. That was really good. That was really good, wasn't it? Clip, uh, right, so it will be commissioned there. Because like, we were in Amazon. David Eagle talks exclusively to a member of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Yesterday, the people I'm living with and some other friends went out for the day, but I decided not to join them as I wanted to put the finishing touches to yesterday's blog post, read the blog out for the podcast and upload it to my website. There is a certain irony in the fact that I plan to write about my life for 365 consecutive days, yet in order to do so, I'm declining offers to go out and actually do anything interesting. My efforts to constantly talk about my life mean that I might be running the risk of not actually living one. So today, I was asked whether I wanted to go for a walk and out for some lunch with some friends. So I decided to partake, although I only did this because I thought something interesting might happen that I could then blog about. I am writing this blog post in the car on the way to the place that we're going to, while keeping one ear open for anything interesting that one of my friends might say that I can then appropriate for today's blog. My friend, Emily, sitting next to me in the car, has just read a news article to me. New Zealand has given approval to the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster to carry out marriage ceremonies in the country. Now, I don't know about you, but I had no idea that the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster even existed. So, intrigued, I decided to conduct some research for this blog. Now, you might be under the impression that this blog is essentially a one-man operation, simply comprising a singular, deluded, self-aggrandizing ego. But, actually, I have a whole team of people around me, including a state-of-the-art research department. So, it wasn't long before I was put in contact with someone from the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. The person I spoke to was happy to talk, but didn't want to be identified. Our pastor is delighted and can't wait to conduct his first ceremony, said the unidentified source. Source, spelt S-A-U-C-E, my friends. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's all the interview I got, as there was a glitch in the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster's video conferencing technology. The picture went black, and they stopped seeing me too. However, the audio hung in there for a little longer, before cutting out, so I heard a few seconds of conversation between two Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster members. Damn, the bloody Tagliatelli is on the blink again. Basil? Olive? Can one of you fix this thing? I'm afraid you won't get anything out of Basil or Olive. Have you not heard the news about Basil? No. What? It turns out that he wasn't one of us after all. 
He was a spy! A spy for the Church of the Roaming Ravioli Dragon! What? The Church of the Roaming Ravioli Dragon? But everyone knows that that church is based on completely fabricated, nonsensical flim-flam! I know, but some people will believe any old claptrap, won't they? Aye, very true. But I can't believe that all this time he was a, he was spying for them! <laughs> I mean, Basil? A plant? Who'd have thought it? I know, I certainly didn't see it coming. So Basil's unable to fix your tagliatelle. And I'm afraid Olive says she's too ill to do anything today. Olive? Ill? <laughs> She'll be stoned, no doubt, as usual. What about uh, Betty? She's good with technology. She's a very clever girl. She got all A's in her exam, you know. Well, I know. They don't call her Alpha Betty for nothing. Unfortunately, the audio began to badly crackle and glitch. The last thing that I heard before I lost them completely was, I think we're running out of electricity. Here, try putting a penny in the meter. And then the line went dead, which I'm sure you're all immensely sad about. One, two, three. David's Daily Digital Dollop. 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 Which is the blog? And now I'm going to give you a wallop. Ow. The Blagger's Guide to Blagging by David Eagle. Chapter 1. Football. I've written in a previous blog post about my scheme for taxi companies, whereby passengers and taxi drivers can be matched based on certain criterion. When you call the taxi company, you are asked a series of questions about your taxi driver preference. This would avoid any awkward conversations with some of the more right-wing or bigoted taxi drivers. Unless you were a bigot yourself, in which case, brilliant, you could cheerily notify the operator that you'd prefer a straight-down-the-line, no-nonsense, spades-a-spade, sun-slash-daily-mail reader. Hello? Uh, I'm an avid sun reader. I have a poster of Donald Trump on my wall, and I believe that all Muslims should be sent back home. Oh, and I'm also partial to a spot of gardening. Oh, perfect, sir. We've got the perfect driver match for you. Brilliant. We'll get her to pick you up straight away. What? Hang about. A woman? A woman driver? <laughs> I don't think so, my friend. I'd rather be driven by a lefty. The driver I had today would be unlikely to have driven me if this matching scheme was in place. Do you like football, mate? He asked. Not really, I responded. I told him that I used to go to Hartlepool matches when I was younger, but lost interest when I left for university. This was far from the conversation killer that you might expect. He started to attempt a discourse about Hartlepool United in the early 2000s. It quickly became apparent that, despite living in Sheffield all of his life and being a lifelong Sheffield United supporter, this man knew a great deal more about my local team than I did. After we'd exhausted all of my early noughties Hartlepool United knowledge, he continued through the decade up until present day, by which point I was completely lost. However, fortunately, I have had experience of having to busk football chat. Even if you barely have any knowledge of the subject, there are certain tricks of the trade that I have discovered in order to hold a convincing conversation with a football fan. Firstly, it relies on the fact that, as a rule, football obsessives have enough knowledge themselves to carry you through the conversation. They have opinions, stats and cliches enough to carry you both through. Your job is to take a passive role. As you get more experienced, you can of course stretch yourself a bit and take a few chances. But, for the novice, stick to these basic tenets and you shouldn't go too far wrong. What about that Ronnie Moore, eh? Ronnie Moore is the current Hartlepool United manager, although I didn't know this at the time. Aye, 
Tell me about it, I said. I thought that this was quite a good response. It kept the options open and didn't tether me to a particular viewpoint, but it had the bonus of sounding like a confident statement. I kept the tone of my statement neutral, so my tell me about it could be attached to a number of possible meanings. If this Ronnie Moore was an asset to the team, then my tell me about it would be perceived as a positive statement. If he was bad news, then similarly, my tell me about it would be interpreted as a negative response. Once I had gauged his reaction to my tell me about it, I could follow it up with an appropriate response, a weary sigh, an enthusiastic nod, or even, and this is where my tactic shows its true genius, another tell me about it. Only this time I could add emotion to the phrase, suggesting that he had just essentially corroborated my point entirely. Four simple words, yet they offer such flexibility. I was proving really good at this football chat blagging shtick and was starting to really enjoy myself. He proceeded to bat rhetorical question after statement to me and I would return serve admirably. He was asking for it though, wasn't he? To be honest, I'm not even listening properly. We've been chatting now for nearly ten minutes. I don't even know who he's talking about now. I think we've moved on to a completely different team. But it doesn't matter. I am skilled in the art of busking football chat. Completely asking for it, I retorted. Our exchange had been going on for some time now, and I was feeling pretty confident at my abilities, so much so that I stopped even paying attention to the content of his words. But I decided to take my blagging routine to the next level. I was feeling a bit adventurous, so I thought I'd be a little extra cocky, and added, anyone could see it, mate. I mean, seriously, what did he expect? Had I gone too far? Did this even work in the context of what he was talking about? I didn't even know who was asking for it, and why he was asking for it, or what he was asking for. But I started getting bored by the ease of the blagging, and I wanted to give myself a bit of a challenge. Plus, if what I'd said caused controversy or rankled him, or didn't actually make sense, I could simply shrug my shoulders dramatically, laugh derisively, shake my head vigorously, and explain that I'd been in the pub yesterday and heard some buffoon making that nonsensical point, and that was the very same idiotic phrase that he had come out with. Thus, the potential awkward would have been evaded, and we could both be united in laughing at the moron who'd come out with such an absurd statement. But I surmise that if he was asking for it, which he apparently was, then my follow-up, suggesting that he was an idiot for thinking that he could get away with it, certainly had the potential to work as a response. Plus, I was no novice at this game, by which I mean the football chat blagging game, whereas I am a complete novice when it comes to football knowledge. It was a few years back when I first stumbled upon the football chat blagging challenge. I was in a pub with some friends, and they'd all gone to the bar to get some drinks. I was momentarily sitting by myself. The man on the other table next to me was seemingly in a similar situation. There was a big screen above us showing a football match. The crowd on the TV grew louder and more excited. The man turned to me, assuming that I was also watching the game, and said, Surely he can't miss this! Surely not! I responded emphatically, and sure enough, we were both right, even if one of us didn't know why we were right. The player scored. Yes! Goal! Finally! He shouted, still addressing me. I realised that I needed to respond. There was only me and him there. We'd bonded over the football, and even though I was just being polite and pretending to care or know what he was talking about, I was in too deep now to tell him that I didn't know anything about football. What would be the point anyway? Our separate sets of friends would be back soon, so why ruin this nice, brief moment between two strangers? About bloody time, mate, I said. Too right, mate, too right!
I felt a positive surge of energy jet through my brain. I felt powerful. I felt knowledgeable. And I felt a sense of camaraderie with this man. We had bonded over football, and I had passed the experience with flying colours. Even though I didn't have a clue about football, and being blind, had no idea what was happening on the screen. Since that time, I've had several experiences like this, and each time I have busked football chat impeccably. There was one time when a man turned to me after someone had just missed a sitter and shouted to me above the noise of the crowd from the TV, How did he miss that? Bloody typical, mate, I retorted. Quick as a flash, no messing about. I felt as if I'd mastered the art now. What? asked the man. I assumed he just hadn't heard me, and so I repeated, Bloody typical, mate. But the man had seemingly heard me. His what had been an expression of uncertainty as to the efficacy of my statement. I was taken aback. I felt that bloody typical was a fairly innocuous comment, given that the player apparently had missed a sitter. Perhaps I needed to reevaluate my abilities as a football chat blog, as a football chat blagger. I'm going to say I'm going to be a football chat blogger. My goodness, I mean that will be taking it to the extreme. What do you mean, bloody typical? He's the most prolific scorer in the league, mate. Ah, so that's where the confusion came from. No problem. This was surely easily remedied. Exactly, mate. Bloody typical, isn't it? The league's best goal scorer, and he misses a sitter like that. Bloody typical. If he'd had a lot of players around him kicking at his ankles, he'd have bloody scored. Put it in the back of the net straight away. Bloody typical. Exactly, mate. Too right. Exactly. Bloody typical, came the response. I felt that positive chemical surge in my brain again. I'd found my sport. Back in the taxi, I awaited the driver's reaction to my cocky declaration that he, whoever he was, was a fool if he thought he could get away with it, whatever it was. Too right, mate. Too right. Couldn't have said it better myself. My goodness. I was a master at this. I felt a tinge of sadness when, at that moment, I arrived at my destination. I was really starting to enjoy myself. I was wondering how far I could take this challenge. And we were both clearly getting on very well. If my taxi driver passenger matching scheme had been in operation, then me and this driver would have never taken this journey together. And I might have never learnt the valuable lesson that it is sometimes fun and spiritually beneficial to chat with someone who, on the surface, you might not have that much in common with. However, I do draw the line at gardeners and women drivers. It was nice and quiet, but now my next-door neighbour has started listening to music, weirdly he's listening to some sort of techno version of In the Hall of the Mountain King. So you might be able to hear that in the background. Dollop 4. Lock up your virgins. The toilet roll industry is on the prowl. I know that the news is grim enough right now. Floods, junior doctors, strikes, ISIS. Note to anyone from the hacking group Anonymous who may have stumbled across this website on the basis of me mentioning ISIS once. Oops, twice now. I know that you've been a bit trigger-happy with your attacks, shutting down perfectly innocent, non-ISIS-related websites. Damn, three times. Just because they happen to mention the word ISIS shit on their pages, including some of the BBC web pages. But just because I've mentioned ISIS four times, bugger, five times now, in quick succession, I want you to know that I'm just a simple folk singer with a blog, so don't mistakenly shut me down. On second thoughts, yes, shut me down, and then I'll have an excuse not to continue this crazy daily blog nonsense, and I can actually start living a life again. Yes, please, shut me down, please. Anonymous, shut me down. ISIS, 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 ISIS. In the Hall of the Mountain King has just stopped now, just at the exact point that I start shouting ISIS repeatedly. I wonder if he's notified the authorities. 
Firstly, if you are a virgin, living with a virgin, or know a virgin, then you need to take precautions immediately. This is a plea to all virgins. Do not leave the house. Batten down the hatches, if you have them. Otherwise, just lock the windows and doors. I'll explain all in this blog post. Since I've started doing this daily blog lark, my mind has been a lot more active in observing everything, no matter how small, just in case something gives me inspiration for a blog post. Something seemingly incidental, insignificant, tiny or pithy can become the catalyst for pages of ideas. So today, I was absent-mindedly studying the toilet roll packet while on the toilet, and it was then that I noticed it. But there was nothing incidental, insignificant, tiny or pithy about this observation. It was horrifying. I read it. Gasped. Read it again. Gasped again. Felt a queasiness come over me. The shock was so great that it caused me to defecate. But fortunately I was on the toilet so I wasn't particularly bad. It was one line. Four words. Written in an innocuous font. Small writing. And this, my friends, is what I read. Made from virgin pulp. I know. I imagine you too are feeling the same kind of sickening revulsion that I felt when I first read those words. How long has this been going on? Who is responsible? Why would someone want to pulp a virgin into toilet paper? Why would they even advertise the fact? So many questions racing through my mind. I knew I needed to act, and act fast. Maybe this was just a nascent enterprise. Maybe I was one of the first people to buy one of these toilet rolls. Maybe someone in the packet printing department of the toilet roll company had acted as a whistleblower, risking their life to raise the alarm. For all I know, this might be the one and only warning packet that they managed to successfully print and ship before they were found out and eliminated. In a panic, I did the first thing that came to mind. I turned on my laptop and began to feverishly type. The blog you are now reading, or listening to in this case, is a result of that frenzied typing. It may be badly structured and poorly written and poorly read. Proof of being poorly read there by the fact that I stuttered over the words poorly read. But I just needed to get something down and uploaded to the website quickly. I know that this blog post's introduction may have seemed a bit banal, given my terrible subject matter. But I think when I first started typing, I was in such a panic, my brain temporarily stopped functioning, and I just started writing trite drivel. But I don't have time to edit. Every second I waste on redacting my potentially cost more virgins' lives. I must go and upload this blog post now and get the news out there. I will upload this blog post and the podcast and then we can decide how to go forward from here. In the meantime, stay safe, especially if you're a virgin. Oh, and check your toilet roll packets too. Together, we can stop this. The Virgin Pulp saga continued throughout the rest of yesterday. Richard read yesterday's startling blog post and commented to say, I passed a wig shop on the way to work each day. It has a sign advertising Brazilian virgin hair. How come the Brazilians can farm their virgins economically while we use them as an industrial feedstock? Good point, Richard. So, the plot thickens, I thought. But then I had an incredible thought. It was a moment of true inspiration, brilliant in its simplicity. I decided to Google virgin pulp. My goodness.
I know. How do I think of these things? Okay, panic over. It turns out that the toilet paper made from virgin pulp is not actually made from pulped-up human virgins, but simply means that the paper has been made from freshly cut pulped-up trees, rather than a recycled pulp. Apparently, virgin pulp toilet paper is smoother and yields a nicer bottom-wiping experience, although it is more environmentally unfriendly. In fairness, I didn't buy the paper. My housemates did. But now that I'm aware of the environmental facts, I will change to a less bottom-friendly but more environmentally sound option. After all, what use is a soft, smooth bottom when Armageddon comes? Anyway, the good news is that the virgins are safe. The other good news is Anonymous have not shut me down for my repeated mention of the word ISIS. Although apparently Anonymous have also got something against the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, who apparently are planning some major escapades in the future. So perhaps I'm merely on borrowed time here. The other good news is that I'm now over a 73rd of the way through this project. I only have to do this amount of blogging and podcasting 72 more times and I've achieved a year of consecutive daily posts. So far, all my blog posts have been over 1,000 words in length. So it's likely, therefore, that by the end of the year, I will have written about 400,000 words. According to Wikipedia, novels tend to be between 100,000 and 170,000 words, meaning that I will have written enough for four novels. What the hell am I doing giving this away for free? Sod the internet. I'm going to write a blog post today and then release it in book form. After the climax of Harry Potter, by which I mean the end of the Harry Potter series, just in case you were concerned that I was just about to launch into some self-penned pornographic Potter fanfiction, J.K. Rowling, or Rowling, if you prefer, well, not if you prefer, to be honest, it's what her name is. I mean, it doesn't matter what you think. There's got to be a right or wrong. Well, not necessarily, but I think we should, out of respect, call her what she wants to be called. But I'm not sure what she wants to be called. I mean, unfortunately, I've lost a phone number. J.K. Rowling slash Rowling. I'll just keep alternating so it doesn't offend her. J.K. Rowling released some books under a pseudonym because she wanted the work to be judged on its own merit rather than snapped up by millions and lauded as the greatest thing simply because she wrote it. Then, when the books weren't doing too well, she let slip that the books were written by her and the sales went crazy. So, if I can think of a way of kidnapping J.K. Rowling and forcing her to claim that the novels of dollops are hers then i'll be a millionaire in a couple of years fear not my jk rowling kidnap plan and my jk rowling kidnap plan is merely hypothetical or hypothetical no authors were harmed during the making of this blog not yet anyway but there's no knowing what the future might hold never say never shit i've said it twice david eagle versus god Our toilet broke yesterday. I have a feeling that it might be God or Mother Nature sending me a warning about our choice of toilet paper. Fortunately, though, uh, with a bit of prodding about in the system, the problem was fixed. I'm really not sure what God or Mother Nature expects me to do. I've already bought the planet-destroying toilet paper, so now surely I'm going to have to use it rather than throwing it away and buying some new toilet paper. Surely you should be focusing your attentions on the people who produce the paper rather than one individual consumer. But if you think 
that I really should throw the remainder of the toilet paper away, then I'll do that. But you could at least tell me in a more civilised way, like leaving a comment on my blog, rather than breaking our toilet. But I suppose that would be too obvious and sensible for God, who's got to live up to his reputation of working in mysterious ways. Although I think leaving a comment on a folk singer's blog is pretty weird and mysterious too. Our shower has started leaking through the roof a bit as well, and I'm a little bit worried that this blog post might scupper our abilities to claim on the insurance should anything go wrong. After all, this blog post might be seen as an admission that the problems occurred due to an act of God, who is smiting me through the medium of plumbing problems due to my reckless toilet paper consumption. What a strange term that is, act of God. I'd love to hear the phone conversation between Richard Dawkins and his insurance company after his house has been flooded. I am also a non-believer, but I haven't approached my non-belief in God with anywhere near as much vociferousness as Dawkins has. I'd be damned to hell making no fuss whatsoever if God would grant me just one wish before I go, which would be to see the moment that Dawkins discovers that he was wrong all this time, and that there is a God after all, who is standing over him on the Day of Judgment, laughing uncontrollably. Except, obviously, he would technically be able to control the laughter, because he's all-powerful. Oh, we've been so looking forward to this moment, haven't we, Peter? How many times, Jesus? It's Simon. <laughs> Whatever, Peter. And how many times, Peter? It's Yeshua. My dad and I had so much fun watching you on the phone to that insurance company, Richard. Oh, we wouldn't have missed it for the world. Well, technically, it would be impossible for my dad to have missed it, given that he's omnipresent. Although I suppose at the same time, it would be possible for him to have missed it in spite of his omnipresence, because he's also all-powerful. So I suppose he could have missed it if he wanted to, because he would have had the power to do so. Hmm... Oh, I don't know. It's all very confusing, this omnipresence, omnipotence, malarkey. Anyway, the point is, we all exist, Richard. Me, my dad, aka God, my mother, you know, the Virgin Mary, is still a virgin after all these years. Although, of course, Jeremy Kyle tried to do a lie detector and DNA test when he got to the pearly gates. <laughs> Needless to say, we damned him straight to hell. I bet you feel like a bit of a dick now, don't you? Uh, that's a joke, Richard, because dick is short for Richard. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, you has a sense of humour, you know. I think I get it from my dad. Oh, he loves a good joke. Well, take the Old Testament. Absolutely hilarious. Oh, we still have a good laugh from time to time at the poor sods down there trying to make sense of it. But, but how was I to know? Believing in you and your dad would have been completely irrational. Irrational? Richard, it's not like we didn't leave you clues. Remember that slice of toast, Richard? The what? The slice of toast. That slice of toast in February 2011. We manifested an impression of my mother, the Virgin Mary, in the bread. <laughs> you took one look at it, made some snide comment about it being a coincidence, and ate it. We don't leave toast clues for everyone, you know. Now, especially for you, Richard. Some people don't get anything, don't get any visions in their toast, yet they still believe. Happy are those who have not seen the face of a virgin in their breakfast, yet still believe. And with those prophetic words... Or is it pathetic words? Sorry, the script's a bit smudged. I do get very excited when I record these. We say goodbye for now, but in episode two, we cover the second week of David's Daily Digital Dollop. Bye for now. <laughs>